to humans. Wake up, wise up, do what you can, individually and together. Welcome to the Earth to Humans podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Matt Podolsky. We've got a great discussion to share with all of you on today's episode. We're sharing a conversation that I had with the former senior producer of this show, our friend Gregory Haddock. Greg has been working on some awesome podcast projects this past year, and we're super excited to have him back on the show for this episode in which we reflect on the one-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. Before we jump in, however, I'm going to share a brief reminder for listeners to check out our campaign on Patreon and join our brand new Earth to Humans book club. It isn't too late to sign up for the book club and get yourself a free copy of Mark Dowie's book, The Haida Gwaii Lesson. You can find the link to join on our show notes page for this episode at wildlensinc.org slash ETH231, or you can go to patreon.com slash earth to humans. Haddock, how are you? Well, Matthew Podolsky, I'm doing quite well. I don't have any fridge fiascos. My meniscus is exactly where it's supposed to be, <laughs> I think. Feeling pretty good. I don't have COVID. Haven't had it yet. Knock on wood. Fingers crossed. Whatever we do. Whatever the routine is. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, we've been... The, the last few episodes of the podcast, we've kind of started off by sharing like covid travel stories and uh you were Ooh. you were just telling me that you just returned from um a trip to germany and i'm curious mm-hmm. what the travel situation looks like um and obviously it, yeah it, it it i mean you said that you have avoided covid so that's good you know it's it feels weird when you have to poop in a cup at the gate <laughs> for the first time the second time's not so bad but the you know there's just like so many people around, you get used to yeah. it I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's it was it was weird. Like Germany is, uh, you know, the, the people there are very tired of the restrictions and the rules, and they've got like fifteen different levels of um, you know kinds of lockdown. You know, it's like it's like Baskin Robbins of Corona regulations. Like there's a flavor for everybody. Mm. And, you know, it depends on um, a whole bunch of different things about what you can do based on how frequently or how recently you've been in contact with somebody or this and that. And some of it just kind of doesn't make sense. And I think some of it does. Anyway, in any case, I think it's really kind of making people completely bonkers over there, just like it is everywhere. But um, coming back here, like, yeah, they have high cases there as well. But coming back here, I was really... It was it was shocking. It was shocking to see just how high the cases in the United States are. Um, that's really hard to kind of reconcile with. 
And so, yeah, whether or not you're tired of the restrictions in Germany, it's it's working because here, like, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> you know, my body, my choice, <laughs> except for when it comes to what's living inside me. <laughs> then you know, it's whatever. Let's not make. I don't want. I don't want to go down that road, but. It's, it's something else. It's something else. Oh, man. Yeah, it is. It's definitely bonkers, I think, is the right word for sure. Yes. Yeah. I And I actually think it has a lot to do. It's very, I think, closely tw- entwined with, with kind of what we might talk about today. I just think everything these days is related. And, you know, the same people who told us that the Internet would rot our brains, aunts, uncles, moms, pops, grandmas, grandpas, they're the crazy ones these days. You know, like people who are just live for Facebook and the internet, and it can't be false because I read it on the internet, and it's just not the world we live in. You know, it's just not true. You know, what is true anymore, though? It's kind of alternative facts. Yeah. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into it, man. Um, I mean, this part of the reason that we decided to. I guess, well, this, <laughs> uh, I was going to say part of the reason we decided to have this roundtable discussion, I'm like, oh, wait, it's just the two of us uh, here. <laughs> and there's been, we've, we've kind of had a series of uh, scheduling issues, which kind of culminated in uh, Serena texting us just minutes before this call was supposed to happen to let us know that, yes. um, that the power went out in her apartment and all our pipes are frozen and all our plants are dead and her refrigerator is leaking Awful. fluids. So she's kind of dealing with uh, a crisis at the moment. And what was so it's originally just above freezing in her home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was originally supposed to be like a roundtable discussion with with um, uh, including both Serena uh, as well as well as Hannah. Um, but it's just the two of us. And um, that's OK, because we can have an intelligent discussion. Right, I feel like you could still seat two people at a round table. That's true. We like could still it, call it, it a round table. I guess you're right. So we're like two two half circles. Yeah. Okay, so it's still a round yeah. table. The reason we decided to have this round table discussion and Greg to invite you uh, back to the Earth to Humans podcast um, after a long break um, was it, it's been a year since we did this roundtable discussion focused on uh, the January 6th insurrection uh, 2021 and it just kind of felt like I mean I don't I don't think we want to like rehash the insurrection itself but it's it's I don't know I mean that that event I don't know I mean maybe I'll just ask you this question like looking back on that a year later like does it feel like that was a turning point for our democracy if you want to call it that you know i feel like it could be one of um kind of an identifying marker uh where you can kind of say yeah i you know like a like a, a happening i guess so to speak where yeah that was a big deal but i think some of this stuff has been in the works for a long, 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 long time. Um, and you just can't point to that single one day. And you can't point to this this one idiot of a president that we've had. Really, totally, wildly destructive president that, that we've had. And say that that's the reason things are the way they are. And I think a lot of people want to do that. Because that would be a nice, tidy way to package it all up. It's just not true. 
It's just not true. This has kind of been boiling for for a long time, and I think really it's it's it all just boils down to um, capitalism and and the and that's such a that's such a cop out to say, you know, because that's because because capitalism. Uh, but but it is it really really is. You've got a bunch of people who haven't been taken care of. They've been um, fostered and doctored into the idea of going to war as kind of a normal attitude and that spans both wings of our American politics which is really disgusting which means we don't really have an anti-war movement in the United States that's mainstream it's always kind of been on the fringe and people will say they don't really want to vote for this war or this war but we have to do it like wars can still be justified for pretty dumb reasons and um People kind of go with it, you know. People have been divided up in that way, and and I don't know what I want to say with that, except that all these all these things are so intertwined. I mean, when you look at who the people were who were there at the Capitol on on January sixth of last year, these are a lot of people who have served in the military. Mm-hmm. These are a lot of people who have been completely. Um, denounced or rejected or um, put on the sidelines from a political an, an economic system that that does not serve them and they've been told that their glory is in serving their country and a country that doesn't serve them back and it's amazing that we can have I, I think I think what's amazing is at the end of the day people are comfortable saying they don't trust the government is why we've got such COVID backlash again, you know, re- regulation backla- backlash all over the world. Uh, people don't trust governments anymore, and why should they? But people haven't stopped trusting and believing in the corporations that run the countries, that run the governments, and that's really appalling. You know, people still love to brandish the name of the, uh, you know, the brand name on their shirt or on their car or like we love our names and our brands and we love the things that we buy. And we're just so completely disconnected from the fact that these these entities, these peopleless entities that still have for some dumb reason the rights of humans, these corporations, they they are the ones that write our laws. Things are bad because of them. So there's this real cognitive dissonance between the the problem and uh the symptom and uh i'm i'm really like i think this last year i've really 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 what while everybody's kind of been like joyfully uh kind of this um schadenfreude in in watching some of the some of the writers there's no other way to call it writers uh, you know serve you know be um handed down sentences what Q Q Shaman just the you know the, the the poster child for the riot just got what like forty eight months which honestly or whatever it was honestly is probably not enough at all uh, but I I really people are just so like happy to see this happen and, and in a way that's kind of like ah I don't know like I don't want to I don't I don't these are these are victims of a system right. like they're victims of a bad mentality and I think this last year more than anything I want to I want to try to like be more empathetic versus uh, vigilant and and searching for some kind of street justice for people. I just, 
And I also get that that, po- that opinion is not popular. Like, I'm not under any illusions that that's a common thread that people should, you know, feel sorry for the people who... No, but I feel that... I think I think a lot of people do feel that, Greg, because I think a lot of people... A lot of families are split along political lines, and, and certainly mine is the case. I know we've talked about this in the past, right? Like, if you have close friends or family members that are on the opposite side of the political spectrum, it's like, we're it's like, do we view those people as our enemy? You know, Mm. Um, that's really hard. These are people that we love. And it's it, I think it's, I think it makes more sense to feel empathy than hatred. And I think it's more helpful to feel empathy than hatred. Right. For, for folks that have those different viewpoints and to, like, make a conscious effort to try to understand, like, where that viewpoint is coming from rather than just, like, the knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, you're less intelligent than I am because you have this different, pers- this right. different perspective, you know? But when we did that roundtable a year ago and we were talking about the insurrection... Our perspective was so different than it is now because we were at the beginning of the Biden administration, right? Like, despite all of the chaos and everything that happened, like, as a result of Biden winning that election. Or did he? <laughs> What's <laughs> Just kidding. He won. Um it's been said. Yes. We, yeah, we can't go down that rabbit hole. Um, we had more hope, maybe? Yeah. Greg, I think both of us probably think of ourselves as realists, right? So I, I don't think we were, like, overly hopeful or optimistic about what the Biden administration could achieve. But we're a year in, and I've never been more pessimistic about the future of our planet and our species. Yeah. Um, man, there's so many reasons to feel that way. Let's, let's continue that. That's okay. It is. It's like, I don't even know where to start. Right. Because it's like, we, you know, we're, we're rehashing January 6th, right. On, on this anniversary. And as we rehash it, it's like, we're realizing that, the United States government is is will not be capable of passing, uh, you know, voting rights legislation. Um, it's just right. not going to happen. A year out from what happens on January sixth is just like, wow. Okay, there's literally nothing to stop that from happening again. But mm-hmm. like that is layered on top of, you know, the administration's just complete and utter failure to follow through on climate change legislation and their failure to get support that they needed for the Build Back Better Act and all of these climate promises that were made in Glasgow that like it's just like our government is just incapable of following through on on all of those pledges that were made. Even the even the pledges are still above 1.5. Right. I mean, even if the pledges were real. The pledges that have been made don't even get us there. And we also are incapable of actually following through on those pledges. So like, right. Right. Well, I mean, like, okay, so go back to just kind of the, the impression that the United States should have. Right. So, um, 
So much potential for the United States to be this incredible leader at, at these Conference of the Party events, and they're just not, right? They just don't fucking show up. Um, and in fact, our climate czar is married to the heir of the Heinz ketchup, uh, you know, um, family fortune, you know, and how many plastic packets do they drop out into the world of ketchup that end up in the ocean every single day? Like, it's just all fucked, right? But if we go back to, well, why can't we get anything done? Why can't we have that kind of leadership in the United States or from the United States? And, you know, it's easy to say, well, congressional gridlock, congressional gridlock. You know, it's just always back and forth and back and forth. And there are elements of truth to that, right? Um, gerrymandering has gotten way the fuck out of control. Um, in, in, a, in a world where there's no electoral college in the United States, there would honestly have been no political scapegoat for Democrats to not enact policies that would have made conversations like COP26 moot point, mm-hmm. right? We would have done something a long time ago. Uh, but because we have such a backwards-ass system, uh, we are not able to do that. And so it's easy to point to, say, like our 50-50 congressional gridlock and say, um, man, you know, like if only, you know, Kirsten Cinema in Arizona, Joe Manchin out in uh, 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 West Virginia. West Virginia. I always yeah. mess that up. Yeah. Um, you know, if only they would get their shit together. And yes, they should get their shit together. They're not Democrats. I don't know what they are, but they're terrible people. They're just terrible, terrible people. And it's easy to say, like, okay, that's if, you know, if, if, if just if, 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 and this, and this, and this, and if, and that. But, it's just not going to change. It's just not going to change. And I can't even possibly imagine that uh, these these Congresses who every single term continue to give themselves raises and are unabashed about it, not shy whatsoever. Our, our Democratic majority House leader uh, is one of the most successful uh, stock market investors of all time, I mean, there'll be a ton of investors that'll say, if you want to know where to invest your money, just look and see what Nancy Pelosi does. You know, her husband is this huge investor and it's, it's, that's, that's scary, right? So I think what's frustrating to me is, is easy to say, oh, you know, look what the Republicans are doing, look what the Republicans are doing and not look inward, look inward, know thyself and, and say, the Democratic Party is not here for you. They are not your friend. It's two corporate parties. And that's completely lost on people. Or they'll say, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. And then, oh, but this. And all of a sudden, bam, it just takes one spark to get back into these political hot-button issues where they can just fight back and forth and not really talk about any kind of depth of issue. Or why is it that way? And nine, 99 times out of 100, it comes back to... A shit economic system that's propped up by military interactions and interventions and war and the death and destruction of innocent people all over the fucking planet with maybe just a just a peppering of, of bad guys in there. But everybody else is paying the cost for it. Even in something as, as quote unquote gentle as sanctions, uh, it's 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 kids, it's 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 women it's civilians that are that are paying the price of these of these things and it's always every single fucking time it is always for the profit bottom line of somebody else so uh, this whole rant is just to say that we absolutely 100% have to start building bridges with 
the people that don't look like us, that don't vote like us, that don't sound like us, that don't say the same things we say, because at the very end of it, if we don't forge that th- those relationships, if we don't start getting together and, and organizing, and we don't have to be best friends, but man, we're, we're all done. We're all toast. The trend is all heading in one direction where there are the haves and the have-nots. And that's a really, really scary place to be. And all of these topics, all of these topics, inaction at Glasgow, the January 6th uprising, economic nationalism, which was both led by Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, but people don't want to admit that. These are all tied to a shit economic system that doesn't allow power to people. That's what we have to fix. Absolutely have to fix that. That fantastic rant, I think, is a great opportunity for me to ask you about the projects that you've been working on, right? Because, I mean, you've been working on some awesome podcasts these this past year plus that, I mean, are very connected with the, these issues that you're talking about, right? And, like, sort of pose this question of what is the difference, really, Democrat, Republican. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Give us kind of an overview of what you've been up to. Yeah, so I worked on a couple political podcasts this last year. One was called Left Bitches for uh, the brand Soapbox online, and that was really informative. It also taught me how fucking little I know. Uh, it also taught me that I am not as far left as you, as, as listeners may think I am. I was really surprised by that. I, I was probably more shocked than anybody that I was found myself the, the moderate or the centrist in the room uh, a lot of times. So if, if, I'm, if what I'm saying sounds crazy, uh, it, there's, a, there's a lot of other stuff out there that you're just going to rock your world. Um, but I did go on to, we, that, that project came to an end, went on to do a, a six-part series called Party of One. I highly recommend it's it's by far the coolest thing I've ever been a part of producing with um, my my colleague uh, and uh, Amanda Getty, who's just incredibly talented, super funny and one of the just nicest people that I know, honestly, just a very genuine human. And we co-hosted that six part series uh, about party of one. Uh, We have Democrats and Republicans. We think that they don't agree on anything fact is they agree on quite a bit quite a bit and um, that's from our our two-party system that's not by accident to the way that we hold debates they weren't always closed they the democratic and republican parties pretend to have a nonpartisan organization called the commission on presidential debates that sounds extremely governmental and uh (laughs) sounds very formal and non-biased but it's it's ran and always has been ran by, or has always been run, has always been runned, has been randed by the Democratic and Republican parties in the quote, in quote, interest of the American public. And that's extremely problematic. All the way to how we finance our campaigns, to um, how we support wars, to how we brutalize the the conceptualization of socialism or communism. There's no room for anything that criticizes the capitalist system in the United States. And that is changing. So I do feel very optimistic about that. And people should continue to question this system. It does not work the way people think it does. Um, And at the very end of it, Democrats and Republicans are extremely, extremely friendly 
They disagree on some very hot-button issues that distract all of us. It's divide and conquer. That's exactly what it is. Keep the red guy and the blue guy arguing long enough about this and this and this so that they can just be robbed blind from the back end. And that's what's been happening for a long time. And the people who have paid the highest price um, here at home have been the same kind of people who rushed the uh, capital on January 6th to the people who have been victim to it all around, across the world, from the Middle East to those who have been overexploited in South America and Africa. And uh, scapegoats have always continued to be. There will always have to be a scapegoat. That's always going to be the big bad Russians. It's going to be the big bad Chinese. Uh, Brazil's a great scapegoat the last several years. It's, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Anyway, uh, that was... You got me going, man. I'm like fired up today. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't even know why I was this like angry when I woke up. Uh, so that's that. that not, the last half of that has not even anything to do with that uh, party of what. But it's all related. It's all related. The, the the passion project that I'm working on right now has not been published yet. I'm super excited about it. But we are making a podcast for uh, Waste Ed. Waste Dash Ed. It's all over the place. You can find it, and it's going to be a really really fun, fast-paced, bi-weekly show about all things waste education, sustainability, greenwashing, the plastics that are in your baby, the the forever plastics, the forever chemicals that live within each and every one of us. We're going to touch on all kinds of stuff. It's going to be really great. I'm super excited about it and let you know when that's ready. Humans is back and better than ever with a slate of guests and topics that we can't wait to share with you. If you like the work that we do here on the show and want to support us so that we can keep bringing you the good stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash earth to humans. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the show in a big way. Patreon subscribers will get access to a range of exclusive ETH content, including our book club, author talks, archived episodes, merch, and more. That's patreon.com slash earth to humans for more information on how you can join this kick-ass community of nature-loving weirdos. So yeah, one of the things that you touched on there was this idea that our government and these systems and institutions that we've sort of been trained to accept as a part of this democracy and a part of this system that is working for us don't actually necessarily work for us, right? And I I mean, I feel like the fight over the filibuster is a really interesting example of that. Like we're finally living in a world where the vast majority of people, I mean, in this country, like understand at least like the basic threat posed by climate change. Right. And believe that our government should be taking action to prevent 
catastrophe. And the government is not capable of doing that. And everything is getting stuck at this choke point. And the choke point is the filibuster. And it's unbelievable, right? It's like when when you start analyzing like what what the filibuster is and like the history behind how and why it was created, right? And this is like I mean, I don't I don't even think it's like necessarily relevant that it's like not in the constitution or not a part of the original sort of crafting of like our democracy by the founding fathers or whatever, but it like yeah. none of that necessarily matters. It just matters that it's like this this uh structural piece of this institutional yeah. system that all it takes is one or two individuals to make this claim that like oh this this fucking weird ass institutional thing like this is the reason like we can't act on climate change because this is so important the filibuster is so important that we maintain the integrity of this rule within this institution so therefore like we're gonna let the fucking planet burn yeah yeah and joe biden has said explicitly like i feel like i can really like rail into to to republicans and democrats are like yeah 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 and it's like no, 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 no. You're next. I'm I'm talking to you next. Joe Biden has said explicitly from the beginning that he has no interest in getting rid of the filibuster. I mean, it's 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 an excuse to do nothing, and it's an excuse to to kind of just keep things the same way. So I think yeah, we we could get rid of it, and yeah, we could make change right away. I don't see it happening. It'd be awesome if it did, but I think it's not going to happen from it's not going to happen from people saying, boy, it should be nice if that would happen. It's going to happen when 5 million, 10 million, 20 million people don't show up to work. And they instead go when they protest at their state capitol or at, at, uh, at the White House. Protest, right? So orderly conduct, not this crash and burn crazy nonsense but that's the frustration right that frustration's there and again a lot of those problems are mutual problems they're just um the, the way people act out is is in, in different ways and the way that it affects people is in different ways but there's all kinds there's all kinds of things that aren't happening because of that right for sure and i mean i think like you've made this point a, a couple of times and i just i think it's super important and i wonder if we can connect it to like what's going on with these sort of choke points in these institutions, right? Which is this idea that Democrats and Republicans aren't necessarily that different. And this question of, well, who's pulling the strings? And is this, as we said at the very beginning of this call, is this because of capitalism? Yes. <laughs> Yes, hundred percent. No, no hesitation. Yeah, no hesitation. Um, and the the fallacy that a lot of people make is that, well, the alternative is, you know, Stalinist uh, communist Russia, 
No, it's not at all. And there'll be people who I think um, will say, you know, well, we just need to burn the system altogether. Um, you know, zero capitalism. I don't even know what that looks like. To me, that's like so unfathomable. I can't even, I can't even comprehend it. If somebody can paint a nice picture of that, great. I'm awesome. I'm, 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 I'm totally open to listening to it. Um, but the way that the system is now rewards monopolies. We have very, very weak antitrust laws in the United States. They've also been undercut very, very hard during the Clinton era of all times. It's all about big fish eating smaller fish until a bigger fish eats that fish. That's, that's the world we live in. Um, you know, people talk about underdeveloped nations in the Southern Hemisphere. They're not underdeveloped. They're overexploited. Uh, it's, it's from hundreds of years of, of colonial rule. This isn't a mistake. This isn't a coincidence. It's no coincidence that, uh, people are, that there are institutions, very, very strong institutions that are trying to overwrite the, um, overturn the Indian Child Welfare Act so that reservations in the United States won't have the power to govern themselves sovereignly. It's a class divide. And we're being told constantly that it's, uh, you know, idiot rednecks over there on that side, they're worried about people coming over the border, right? It's that is divide and conquer. That's, that's, that's ignoring the class divide. And the class divide is only brought on. It's only possible because of the system of capitalism. We have to stop business as usual. I mean, we're, we're certainly not going to share some magical solution to all this because there isn't one. But there is. It's protest. It's unionize. It's stop working. It's go out and it's. Get, it, I think that is the answer. It's not a pretty one. It's not an easy one. It's not a simple button to push, but it's the answer. That's a part of it for sure. But I think a, a part of it is also like you were saying before of like engaging, actively engaging with people who disagree with you. Hundred percent. I think that's a huge part right? of it. Um, and like reaching out to those folks and like trying to start this conversation around this idea that it's not about Republican versus Democrat. It's not about red versus blue. It's about just people versus corporations. It's about people versus greed that yeah. is like unfathomable in scale. It's also a weird idolatry of the richest of the rich. You know, oh, Elon Musk, he's such a savior. He was just awarded Times Person of the Year. Elon Musk is nothing special to me. His, 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 his wealth came from an emerald mine that his parents owned in South, South Africa mm-hmm. during, during apartheid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, yeah. Jeff Bezos, space cowboy. You know, he, he took right. William Shatner up to space, so he must be a good guy. I can order a, a box of whatever and I can have it here tomorrow. He must be a good guy. We've mistaken the, the convenience and the simplicity of commodity as, as pro- progress. It's not. It's not at all. Who pays for that? The Amazon truck driver has to pee in a bottle because he can't get adequate brakes. Mm-hmm. Or the people who pass out in the warehouses because they can't cool it. They don't, they don't give a shit. Yeah. So here, here's, here's a question for you, right? Because... As a country, right, and also globally, humanity has lived through moments in history that 
are similar in certain ways to the moment that we're in right now, right? And I'm thinking about the Gilded Age of like the late 1800s and early 1900s and moving into the Roaring Twenties and leading up to the the Great Depression, right? And I think one of the aspects of the the history of that period that is often overlooked is like, you know, we're taught about sort of the roaring 20s and then the stock market collapsed, the Great Depression happened, and FDR, you know, implemented these social programs that turned everything around, right? But the piece of it that I think we're missing in the telling of that history is that starting very soon after the Civil War, there were these sort of like boom and bust cycles that happened in uh, in in the economy of of this country, and there was gross income inequality, and it wasn't just it wasn't like oh the stock market collapses once and then you know a president comes in and you know fixes it with all these amazing social programs like that cycle had to happen over. And over and over again, over a period of many, many decades, we had to go through these cycles and live through this very long period of history where we were experiencing this, you know, like a a, a comparable level of, of income inequality to what we're experiencing now, right? And I feel like that feels very real to us right now, right? Because, Scary. you know, we went through that a stock market collapse in 2007, 2008. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it, it, like we never fully recovered from that. I mean, the stock market obviously recovered from that, but like our society hasn't recovered from that. And income inequality has just gotten worse and worse. And a lot of folks, you know, a lot of historians and economists have kind of like analyzed and compared our current moment to what was going on during the Gilded Age. And I think there's like, there's an argument to be made that once things get bad enough, then people step up, right? And there's a lot of like sort of anecdotes like from the Great Depression era, like to that effect, right? Of like when we had just massive unemployment and a homeless population that was so much more enormous than what we have now. It's like people understood that and people looked out for each other. And even though like, Oh, I don't have much, but like I see somebody that has less and I'm, I'm going to help them. Right. And I don't like, we don't have that. And we haven't reached that point of, of desperation. And don't you feel like you've had some, some, some schmeckle of that, like a little, little bit of a taste Oh, yeah. I mean, these past two years, right? I'm like, how do we, if this doesn't do it, how do we get there? Is sort of like what I'm wondering. And then I also think a lot about like, well, what is the difference between this current moment and what was going on during the Gilded Age and leading up to the Great Depression? And I think like the key difference in my mind is this sense of foreboding this sense of like looming existential crisis from a changing climate that like we know that 
there are these external factors beyond our human society. I mean, obviously, it's being driven by our human society, and we're causing these problems. Mm -hmm. But, like, even if we're able to turn things around with a sort of, like, massive amount of government spending and a Green New Deal and social programs, you know, on the level of what happened during the Great Depression with FDR, like... I think just a lot of people don't believe and I'm like I think I consider myself one of them like that that we can even get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's this just sense of overarching doom just about the future not just of our society but of the planet itself and all of the ecosystems that sustain it and everything. Yeah. You mean getting to like a a um, a sustainable future that's not boiling the planet from the inside it's you don't know yeah and that in part for sure but then i'm also talking about like our government right and if we could if we could like write off the climate crisis and be like okay there's like there's even without the climate crisis like we're dealing with a shitload of problems in our society right now right Mm -hmm. but i could see a way forward right and i could i like maybe be more motivated to like get out into the streets and and protest and try to like you know use my voice to affect change but there's like this sense of just like malaise i think you know that is justified because it's like everything we've been talking about and then you layer the onto on top of all of that on top of all this income inequality and racism and, uh, you know, failed institutions in our government, you layer on top of that the fact that, like, every single year we're breaking records for, like, wildfires and catastrophic hurricanes that we haven't seen and tornadoes and, like, this insane heat wave that hit the Pacific Northwest this year. It's like... We're all fucked. Good night, everybody! (laughs) We're in this extinction event, right? Like, yeah. the, the sixth mass extinction event is happening. We're in it. There's going to be a lot of sort of ecological disruption. Ecosystems are changing. They're never going to be the same, right? All of this stuff we know. Yeah. Um, and, but that, like, none of that stuff means that, like, life on Earth will cease to exist, right? Um, new species will evolve to fill these ecological niches. I mean, we're already seeing this kind of stuff happen. Um, and humans will certainly evolve, right? I mean, there's, we're going to like witness just horrendous human suffering over our lifetimes. That's un- undeniable. But like, I don't, you know, I don't think this crisis is going to like cause the extinction of humanity. The question I have is, does the United States government survive this crisis? Like, in 20 years from now, will there be a United States government? I think it is absolutely 100% plausible to contemplate and end to the United States government in our lifetimes. Or a transformation of it in some extremely extremely um, disruptive way 
whatever that looks like. Uh, I don't. I really don't think that's that's super far fetched. There's clearly a lot of people that want to go one direction. There's clearly a lot of people that want to go another. And even though there is so much in common with those groups, uh, I don't. I don't know if they'll. I don't know if that'll actually happen. I really don't. Um, I think I could totally imagine though that the that could either be a good thing for people or could be devastating. Um, I could also imagine a world where it's still extremely profitable for a handful of of extremely wealthy, completely soulless people. I don't think that's very far-fetched either. We have such potential for for positive and for negative. And I really I really think it'll be the role of humans moving forward to find a way to cooperate. To cooperate in a way that that doesn't allow the richest of these to just walk away with a blank check as the world burns. We don't have to have it that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But it also means that we can't continue to just say us and them. We can't do that anymore. We also can't keep living the way we are. We can't all have a new car every year. We can't all buy a new phone every year. That's crazy. That stuff comes from somewhere. And usually it comes from some place that's a real... It's in in, to, in Donald Trump's words, a, a real shithole. And not because they, something wrong with they or them... But because we 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 are we've turned our 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 backs, we're we're closed off. We've got blinders on where we don't want to see where stuff comes from. We don't even know where our food comes from most of the time. But it is easy. There's it, maybe not easy, but there's potential. There is potential to regrow our food to live more simply, to live more in community. We could do that. We can do that. And for all that's so bad that's happened in the last couple of years and has just really foreboded how how bad it really could be and given imagination to how awful the post-apocalyptic Mad Max world could really be, uh, one of the most incredible examples that should give people so much hope and joy and love is when humans just decided to take a little break and just not work so hard. There's no reason we need to be working as hard as we are. The United States on average works one month more than any other nation, other developed nation in an, in a year. When we stop and we give ourselves a little break the planet breathes again in this really, really powerful way. And things come back to life. It's possible. We saw it. We know it's possible. Let's do it. Let's let that happen. For, and, and I think the first thing we need to do is stop working so hard. Stop supporting all these fucking wars. And stop letting this economic system rule everything we do. It's completely maddening. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's the most destructive thing we do is allow this system to rule our lives. And of course we have to live in the system. There's no doubt about that. But we don't have to glorify this completely Instagram overconsumption lifestyle. That's crazy. 
especially at the expense of others all around the world that we have no idea what they're going through. I got it good. I got it real good. I, I just need to dial it back. Take a chill pill. Chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. Just chill the fuck out, man. great man that's great i'm just gonna the episode is gonna end right there and it's just like some nice music's gonna come up and like you know everybody's gonna start to feel good about themselves a little bit even though we just depress the fuck out of them it's just a faint explosion in the background There's three films that people should just go and watch right now. If you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. What are they? Don't look up. Go yeah. watch it. Yeah, for sure. So good. Adam McKay's a genius. He's also on the board of directors for Represent Us, the organization trying to get money out of politics. So not only is he one of... Oh, I didn't know that. Awesome. United, yeah, so not only is he one of the world's funniest men, but he's also like the biggest heart. Jennifer Lawrence is also on the board of directors. Uh, then... The David Attenborough film, I, I believe it's only available on Apple, which makes it such a yin and yang kind of awful thing to say. Again, we we, we still live in a capitalist society. No one's saying, like, you know, go live in the woods. We can't all go just live off-grid. It's not possible. It's never going to happen. Uh, but it's, uh, I forget what it's called, but The Day the Earth Changed, I think is what it is. And it highlights, okay. really, all these success stories of... And if it's on Apple, don't. If you can't, if you only find it on Apple, go pirate it. Okay, I'm sorry, Sir David, but it's got to be that way. Just go pirate it. Uh, but it really highlights the stories of the success stories of all these animals um, and and um, fauna as well that have really really bounced back when humans just took a big chill pill and just didn't work so hard. Just take a break. And uh, the last one for good measure, good laugh. A little existential thought, thought experiments. Uh, I Heart Huckabees, where um, Jason Schwartzman and Mark Wahlberg consistently talk about how awful fossil fuels and capitalism have been for the planet. So those three can make it just a Saturday binger. Thanks so much for having me, man. It was really fun to, to chat with you, even if it was such an awful topic. <laughs> Uh, it's, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I can't, it's like the more dire it gets, the more I just have to laugh. I don't know. And I, maybe that's weird for people who are listening that every time I start devolving into just like utter chaos and destruction, like I can't help but just giggle. Um, <laughs> it's really fucked up. What is up. that? What is that a defense know. mechanism? I don't know. I think it is a defense mechanism for sure to be able to step back and say, this is beyond me. There was there was life or world or existence or a universe before me. There will be one after me. And whatever it looks like, it's out of my hands to a degree. We're all just on a little blue dot. Yep. 
It's been fun, Greg. It's been really fun. Thanks so much, Matt. Humans is a production of the Wild Lens Collective. The show is produced every other week by Serena Simons, Hannah Mulvaney, and myself, your host for today's episode, Matt Podolsky. We're now on Instagram at Earth to Humans Pod. You can sign up to join our new book club at patreon.com slash earth to humans. Our intro sequence features audio recordings from the Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Music featured in this episode comes from Blue Dot Sessions. You can see a full list of credits, as well as a link to check out Gregory Haddock's podcast, Party of One, on our show notes page at wildlensinc.org slash eth231.